welcome to the Expand and Evolve podcast. I'm your host, Carly Pynchon. My biggest lessons in life have been around health, money, and relationships. Each week, I'll be sharing my real, raw, and authentic experiences in hopes that by sharing what I've learned throughout my journey, it will be able to help you on yours. Join me each week as we both evolve and expand into our healthiest, happiest, and most abundant versions of ourselves. I can't wait to grow with you. Hello, you guys. Welcome to this week's episode of the Expand and Evolve podcast. This is your host, Carly Pynchon. That sounds weird to say. I'm like used to doing other calls where I almost introduce myself totally different. Um, and I have a guest this week, Cassie McGinnis. I'm so excited for you to be here. We are going to chat through. We were just talking and her story is so good in regards to what it looks like to completely shift the life you're living despite how you shows her baby just mute yourself if she gets noisy um but despite how you were raised or what you grew up on grew up in you can shift your entire reality based on just your mind and what you're willing to accomplish achieve and move forward toward and so I thought it would be really cool for you guys to hear just kind of a little bit about her story I really feel like the whole theme of it will be moving through adversity and I've thought about having guests on too as um, just conscious conversations, like talking through real childhood stuff, like what our childhoods were, were like, how that related to our parenting now, um, and what we've learned. And then also how we've been able to find success despite how maybe we were, we were raised or grown up. So why don't you just say a little bit about you? And obviously you're doing this with babies. If you guys hear baby in the background, that is why, um, mom life, just doing it. <laughs> Yeah, so I have my six-month-old baby here. So hello, everybody. My name is Cassie McGinnis. Um, I am a mom to three children under five. I mm. am a wife to a first responder. I am an educator, and I have made connections through Carly during a time when I actually explored being a holistic baby sleep consultant. And mm -hmm. our views on a lot of parenting ideologies aligned, and we formed a friendship through through there. So we have gotten to know each other and I shared a bit of my story and kind of, you know, um, got to the place where I feel willing to share because maybe that might help somebody or shed mm -hmm. that type of idea that you can move through hard things. So, right. yeah. Okay. So I feel like let's jump into, we can come back to the baby sleep, but yeah. That alone, I feel like is a whole episode that needs to happen because we did, we connected through, she was doing baby sleep consulting, uh, in a way that felt a lot more aligned to me. I loved what she was sharing and posting. We kind of became friends through that. But when I heard her story and things about just what she grew up in, I'm not one to believe that the way you grow up has anything to do with who you choose to be. However, I feel like so many people either stay in that victim energy or they choose to be the creator of their life. And a lot of people who go through adversity and hardship early on and in their childhood, so many people, if they aren't aware that they have the choice, they may stay in that. They may stay in that environment. They may just, you know, have the generational stuff continue. They may still continue to choose substances, continue to choose all these things that lead them to a lifestyle that they grew up in that they didn't love, but they don't know any different. Or you can choose to be the creator of your entire reality, shift everything about your life. And sometimes that's the biggest motivator for people to be like, I'm going to be the one to change this. I'm going to be the one to make my kids' lives and my life different than what I grew up in. And sometimes that's 
that's all the inspiration you need is living the life that you're like, no matter what, I will never live like this for the rest of my my life. I don't want to live like my parents. Um, and you can make that massive shift. So why don't you just take them through? I feel like it's really helpful. I've been loving just talking about just inner child work is so important. And if you can connect to who you are and what your inner child went through, we are all living our lives in the present right now, sometimes based on the loops and the things that happened to us from our childhood. We could be operating in relationships with your partnership, with the way that you parent your kids because of what you experienced as a child. And if you don't have the awareness to go there, look at it, understand why you act the way you act, um, and why you're doing things, not even really realizing it, but subconsciously, you can just be reliving these loops and these patterns that you don't even realize you have the option to change and choose differently if you want to go there. So why don't you just give them a teeny bit of background about you and your, I want the, like the real, the raw. Okay. Like, okay. Who was your well, mom? What kind of lifestyle did you have? Where did you live? All right. So <laughs> <laughs> we're unpacking a lot here. And I just want to like kind of like frame this, like what you were saying. So often I lived in type of this type of autopilot, but it was actually a survival mechanism. And for so long, I've lived in this cycle of grief and shame of over through where I've come from. And I've tied back to that moment so many times it's because that grief and shame I lived with as a child and moving forward as an adult I never wanted to speak about where I came from because there was always grief and shame attached to that narrative that I was telling myself because I lived that context I lived in hell if I say that I say that honestly and I think as a mother now I look at my children and I go holy my your penny wow I literally can't believe that I actually survived that and so we go back to this, I'll kind of paint everybody a picture and you can ask any questions as I'm telling this story because often when I go down this this journey, this path for me, I uncover a lot of things that I've actually buried within my subconscious. So sometimes I will have moments where I'll get a flashback of a specific instance and I'm noticing it more frequently as I'm living the same type of, like I'm living these instances, not the same that I did, but with my children, because my children are reaching the age where my uh-huh. trauma began. So it'll be yeah. silly things like my daughter jumping into the pool and I'll have a flashback of a certain instance of what I lived at that age, which is completely mm-hmm. a stark contrast for me. And it's becoming aware of breaking these generational patterns for my children. Like regardless of what we do, we all have some type of trauma moving forward with us. Um, and it's just up to us to decide how we move through it. And so often we're not even aware of the loops that we're on, like you say. So I'll take you guys back. So I I'll do want to say something though on the parenting, because I find for sure, like I'm reliving moments. It's bringing back memories of my childhood and moments where maybe I didn't feel like I received the love or the care or the understanding, or I didn't feel seen or I didn't feel heard or I didn't feel supported, whatever it is. I'm seeing these moments sometimes through my kids. And I feel like I'm reparenting myself right now. Um, as I parent my four-year-old, my five-year-old, as he approaches six, it's bringing me back to, holy crap, when you were six, the things that were going on and differences. Because I grew up around a lot of friends who went through their childhood like yours. And like, those were the people I was closest to. So I was around that type of stuff, those types of adults um, and things that happened to me too in my childhood where 
like I completely understand where you are coming from and the people that I was surrounded by. And now raising my own kids, I'm like, holy crap. Just even at six, like I know that I have sexual abuse trauma and I was six and Jackson's about to be six. And I'm like, nobody has even come close. He has no idea what that is. Mm -hmm. But at six, I knew all types of stuff about sex that I should not have known um, as a six-year-old child. And so I don't know if you're finding that too. And I have these heart moments sometimes where – like when I held Daxon this other night, I'm just going to share this quick because I feel like it's helpful, but I held him and as I was holding him and he was saying, sorry, I can't even remember exactly what the moment was, but I remembered that he did something wrong, okay, quote unquote wrong, that normally you wouldn't receive love with. But I knew, I was like, when you did things wrong as a kid, the last thing you ever want as a child is to have the love removed from you. And so I decided to like meet him with love and hold him and hug him because I knew he was so upset that he just did that to hurt me. And in that moment, I felt like I was hugging myself. Like I felt like I was hugging my six-year-old self who needed that love when I made a mistake or wasn't perfect to just be received with love and understanding and compassion. And so being able to give that to my kids, I feel like is healing so many parts of myself. And um, yeah, I just feel like I wanted to cover that before you jump. Right yeah, no, there, there's so many instances now I am healing the parts of myself where I was, re- I was met with a certain response or no response at all, which is probably even worse, right? It's the lack of feeling not cared for, not loved, not valued and not heard and being basically believed that children were seen, not heard that narrative kind of played. They were, they were rather a nuisance. So that plays mm-hmm. for me. So I will I can get off topic because obviously I feel a level of vulnerability when I share, but when I share this, it just lays the foundation for other people to, you know, know that everyone has something that they carry with them. And you even, you have the opportunity to, like you said, evolve, or you're going to keep repeating these patterns. And it's Mm -hmm. taken me a long time to learn how to be, and Mm -hmm. I'll come back to being just being, and that, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting in stillness has getting out of a survival mode where you're not living in you're utter chaos. So you're just used to the freaking chaos and yeah. you, your nervous system literally doesn't know how to stop. And that's just like another point for people who have grown up in really chaotic, traumatic environments. Our nervous systems are wired and it's like being high on cortisol 24 seven because you've been in survival mode for so long. And this can be from all things. It's not just your parents, you guys. It could be the people you're around, the friends you're around, the relationships you're in, where you're wired for this chaos. And so when you come to have calm or safety, your nervous system doesn't know what to do. And so you'll distract, you'll move, you'll do things because your your body doesn't know how to just be. Um, but anyways, Kate, go through okay. go through a little bit about your childhood. Like tell me about four or five, lived with your mom. Okay. What was okay. going on? So I'll paint the picture. My mom was 17 years old. Um, she had me when she was 17, 11 months later, she had another child at 18 and I don't know my biological father. I've had contact with him when I was younger. Um, there is a story there that, that I don't want to get into, but, um, he was much older than my mom. From what I know, he was in his thirties at the time. So that's already starting right there. A 17 year old and a 30 something year old, you know, we're already starting the story off in a bit of a interesting dynamic. Um, and now I see my mom. The thing is, is that my mom is no longer here. Um, she's, she passed away um, about in 2009. Um, but I look back as a mom now and I think, wow, she was a child trying to figure out her life. So 
And so when I share these things, I don't blame her for anything. So I just want to put that into context. I don't blame her for anything because she was, again, just moving through and carrying forward generational trauma. She didn't know any different. She knew what she was seeking was love and acceptance. And she found it in all the quote unquote wrong ways because she didn't you know, she, she found those supports that way. So she did her best raising us. But when I was five years old, or just before I was five years old, she found herself mixed up um, with substances and with a really horrible person who actually had her start working um, on the downtown east side um, in as, as, like, as a prostitute. So um, that was something that I always struggled with. But as I was growing up, I never knew that that's what she was doing. Um, we were told that she was a cocktail waitress, right? So we really don't know what was happening. And the man that entered into our life is, you know, I look at his, his being and the way he did things um, was, again, he was a victim of trauma. Do I forgive him for the things that he did? No. But do I have some type of understanding about the trauma that he endured that needed, he felt the need to harm a five-year-old, right? So paint the picture. In what way? Well, so <laughs> I was physically abused from the age of five years old till I was 12. And in not in the ways, not sexually, um, but physically to the point where I wouldn't even say that it would be abuse. I think it would be more beating. So he had this thing about that. He'd always ask me why I lied. And I was like, I don't lie. And he's like, you're a liar. You're a liar. So what he would do is that he would wake me up when my mom would go to work at night and from my understanding now, looking back, he was probably high on drugs and he mm -hmm. would wake me up and say, why do you lie? And I'd be like, I'm not lying. And he's like, you're a liar. So he'd do things like drown me in the water. Like he'd fill up the sink down in the basement and he'd drown me. He would poke my feet with needles when I was sleeping, when I'd be on my stomach. Like he would just, and I pretend to be sleeping. I fully went into like, sur yeah. like survival mode. Um, he gave me third degree burns on my hand by holding my hand under scalding water. He put hot sauce in my eyes. He would, all of these unthinkable things. One time I had to go to the bathroom and he wouldn't let me pass. And I naturally at five years old, wet my pants and he took my face and rubbed my face in it, picked me up by my hair and threw me into the bath, into the bathtub and said I was disgusting. Um, and then he would do things like say like, Oh, I never did that to you. Why are you lying? You're lying about that. So this went on for, for many, wow. for okay, many. Hold on years. though. The <laughs> manipulation Wild. to put it in your subconscious that you're a liar so that you believe you're a liar At before he listens to you. And then when you say the truth is like, but you're a liar. You're liar. And then you're like, am I a liar? Is it was, it, and, and it was, there were so many other things where you can hear the baby, but it's my life. Um, there are other things like, it's just like coming back to me now. Like he would wake me up at night and make me stand with like two hands out. And if I, if, if he would go upstairs and if I would crawl back into my bed, he would just throw me on the ground, call me a piece of shit. Like, um, he would also cover my mouth and my nose and pick me up by my head. So I couldn't breathe. And this was all between the ages of five and 12. And the sad part is, is that my mom during those years became very addicted as well. So the cycle continued. Of course, Penny's crying. Um, she, she became addicted too, right? So the, the, the pattern, she was, she was stuck. And mm -hmm. I just remember never feeling safe. 
I would go to sleep, it was never a place for safety because I knew every single night without fail, I was going to be woken out of my sleep. And I distinctly remember one time I could hear the sink filling up with water and I knew I'm like, Kate, and I was what, seven, maybe I was eight. And I knew in that moment there, like, I was like, Hey, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I just had to play the game. I just remember being like, okay, I'm like, I'm going to don't lie. And I remember the mirror. I remember the small sink. And I remember him holding my head saying, why do you lie? And putting my face under the water. And there was that, I, I remember this distinct moment where I would have to actually go limp to make him think that I had passed out. So he would pull me up for air. And this is like seven years old. And it's like, there are so many moving parts to this, but those are the distinct memories that I have. And like, mm-hmm. he would, again, wake me up, put me up, put, make me sit on the side of my bed and go, why do you lie? And I'd be like, I'm not lying. And then he would take my lip and push it through my teeth. And I still have scars from where my tooth actually pushed through my, my lower lip. And then I would go to sleep and then we'd wake up again and pretend like nothing happened. And when I had these physical marks on my body, I would make up a story. Oh, I fell. Oh, I accidentally bit my lip in my sleep all to protect myself. Right. And now, well, because in that though, it's like, you only know your caregivers as your caregiver. So like, even though you're enduring abuse as a child, like I witnessed this the other day, a girl, this happened at the park, but she, I knew she wasn't okay. And I like got myself involved in the situation because I was like, her dad is abusing her. And I walked up to her and I said, are you sure you're okay? Because I can help you. And she went, no, I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. And I'm like, you're not good, but you're so afraid to, cause that's what you see as love. You see this caregiver as love. And it's the only thing that has safety because you're in a home where like they're feeding you or whatever they're giving you. You don't have the capacity as a child to be like, I'm being abused and I need out of this. And if I tell someone the truth, I'll be saved from this. You save the abuser. And even right now, I'm thinking as you're saying this, I'm like, I guarantee you, he was abusing you because your mom was the liar. He felt like your mom was lying. And so he was abusing you. And that was like his drunk way of taking it out somehow. Do you look like your mom? Do I? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot. Like. yeah and and only thing that is, makes sense. yeah he didn't like I've always had that fire about me and he didn't like that because he never he never harmed my sister like mm-hmm. he just made her watch so I don't know what's worse right I don't know what's worse right and and it's t- and from that experience I learned in my as I grew up that the one mm-hmm. thing that I could do to take control of my situation was to be the best at things, right? It was, okay, I got to make sure that I'm, that I'm towing the line, that I don't speak up because I know if I do anything like that, I'm going to receive physical harm. I'm going to receive physical harm. And, and that is something that is terrifying. Right. And I think that, I think that that narrative for so long made me a people pleaser and made me think that I wasn't able to do certain things. And it really played with my psyche because when you're a child living in a constant state of fight or flight, because really my whole life, I was always waiting for that next bad thing to happen always. And if there wasn't chaos, I was so uncomfortable because I'm like, well, you're apprehensive. I was was on alert. I was on alert Mm -hmm. all the time. 
and to have a child and it's so hard because I always go back to my kids and I go wow like this is crazy but to have a child on high alert is a recipe for an adult who doesn't know how to deal with stress properly because mm -hmm. I took such an interest in learning about my past and why the way I was the way why I was the way I was and like we are uh like like I've talked about this yesterday a little bit um and had reflections on it it's like we are a product of our environment, whether we know it or not. We have neural pathways that form through experiences that impact our behavior now, right? It, it, whether it be the weird mannerisms that we have, the way that we show up in parent, the way that we interact in our life, the way that we, you know, look at our own behavior or even lack the ability to look at our own behavior, because that is a byproduct of our environment from when we're younger too, right? So it's taken a lot of work to unlearn a lot of traumatic things. And I have learned to move through these things regardless of what people have said, because if I didn't decide and I had this fire in me from when I was younger, and maybe that was the thing that made him go, oh no, right? About me, like I'm gonna show you, is that I knew that from a young age, no. like. I am not doing this. I am not living this life. I am not creating this pattern where, and, and I'm not following in these footsteps. And I attribute that to my mom because mm -hmm. finally she had had her second. So she, I had my sister and then she had had a baby with her pimp, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, at 12 years old, I guess this was the pivotal moment and I'll never forget it. Cause I only found out about it at her path when she passed away is that he had said to her, I was 12 years old and I started to want to wear makeup. And he says, well, she's going to wear makeup. I have a job for her. And my mom walked out of that house and never looked back. Right. Yeah. So, and there's so much. Yeah, there's so much I could unpack because I had a lot of anger towards my mom for a long time. I didn't feel, because I never felt loved. I never felt right. cared for. I never felt like I was safe. And I have had a lot of, like I said, realizations in the past couple of years, especially as I've entered into like my child, my, like my motherhood, like time in my life. It's like, why did I become a teacher? Mm -hmm. Because my only safe place was at school. Why did I marry a first responder? <laughs> right? Like there are so protected. Yeah. I was protected. And like well, okay, I want to say say that because I think so many people can be hearing this and thinking, well, I never experienced that type of abuse or trauma. And it doesn't have to be at that level no. for the same things to happen within your mind. No. So let's just say at night, um, your parents were always drinking. Okay. And they never harmed you. They never hurt you. But at night you never felt safe because you knew they weren't responsive. Let's just say that. That's like a simpler form of an understanding where even then you could still feel like at night, I don't receive love. I don't receive care. I don't have somebody to rely on. And you can feel unsafe because of that. So there's so many um, layers and scales to how this can show up in your life. And the same way that you know, whether it was you saw your mom be harmed or you saw your mom mistreated, it doesn't even have to be physical abuse. You can see it through verbal. You can see them not cared for. You pick up on everything that is going on around you, no matter what level of the abuse is. And kids, we say kids are resilient, but truly they are because they'll survive in whatever environment they are in. It doesn't mean it's okay or that they don't end up packing that trauma later and having to work on it. It just means that we are wired for survival. So even as an adult, if we were thrown in a situation like that, 
think of all the women or men who are in abusive situations who don't choose to leave. They physically could. They're not children. They could leave. But you get in this fawning state. It even happens in the medical system sometimes, the way that you get bullied by doctors and you immediately shut down. And this is across everybody. You'll shut down and you just go, "Uh uh-huh. And you become very agreeable because you're afraid of lack of connection. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You're afraid of the lack of connection. You're afraid of the lack of love. And so you start to morph and shift to receive that in whatever way you know possible. This can happen as an adult or a child, and it doesn't have to be you're getting poked and burned and whatever. Like this can show up no matter if that's your circumstance or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for you just to say what you were saying about how look at who you sought sought out in partnership, because I think this is important for people to also understand that your upbringing is what kind of creates what you expect or what you want in your relationships, how you parent, things like that. And even if you've done the work and you could have gone and become a teacher because you're like, I like this, this feels safe to me. Um, And you could have done all of that. And then having children could still bring up things that you're like, oh crap, like that's a sore spot for me. Like you can do the work and then you have children and things can show up the same way that you might seek out a relationship strictly for safety. Like there's so much there that like our, how we were raised as children comes into play so much as what we choose to do as adults and the things that we either allow in our life or don't. Um, and obviously you are on the other side of the adversity where you've chosen to go the opposite way. Uh, but so many people sometimes will relive, like they'll still take on some form of abuse or level of abuse or mistreatment because it's what they, they think love is. Yeah. So people, there's a lot of people who may not be like you and they'll continue being in an abusive relationship because to them that feels like love. And the second someone's treating them well, they might be like, this is weird. Or they might seek out emotionally unavailable people because their parents were emotionally unavailable. So they saw that as love. And so there's just so much there that can impact that. There's so much there that can impact that. And it's, and Mm -hmm. the most powerful thing is bringing awareness to your own actions. And the one thing that I always say is if you continuously have an experience that makes you feel a certain way, that stops you, that halts you, that that you can see that it's a bump in the road and then you can continuously see it happening over and over and over again, it is sparking something in you that needs to change. And and, and the hard... Yeah, it's the loop. Like you said, it's the loop. It's like, the- okay, so I just want to give people a visual for a second yeah. and continue. Yeah. So like, let's say past moment, right? You have to yeah. see it as, okay, past moments here. Yeah. Now we're looping to present and you're given this opportunity to shift it, change it, work through your mindset. And if you don't change it, oh, well, let's go back to the past Mm -hmm. and then relive it in the future. And you're going to keep doing that until you choose to do something different or work through it. And relationships, you guys, are our number one like healing modalities, I swear. Mm -hmm. Like in relationship, all of this stuff will come up and it's actually for your benefit. It's for you to learn through. Um, and work through. So just know that like you don't need to run from it and go back to your comfort zone and think you need to end all relationships. It's actually showing up for you to rework that loop and rewrite that story. So sorry, continue. That's okay. And, and that, and that was kind of where I went. It's like, I was determined to rewrite my story and shift generational trauma. And that is a, is something that's been very big. And to be honest, it's a process because, you know, I just knew, like, I was hyper vigilant. I was always on alert. So I'll walk you through. There, there was more. Like, there's, there's so much more I could unpack. But you can leave that. I want to. I want you to share a little bit now, like adversity wise, yeah. how you, like, the steps you took. 
I think a pivotal moment for you where you went, I will never allow this to be my life. Like what was the moment for you where you decided and then you went and became a teacher and you've been successful otherwise. But um, okay, what was the thing for you if you can remember that pivotal moment and then steps you took outside of just going to school, like things that you did to work on yourself to keep yourself in that space of I'm never going to go back to relive that. And you know what, this is an evolving question because it's changed as I've gotten older and has changed as I've had more experiences as I go. But, and I can never tell you what in me knew that I would never live that life. I don't know what it was, but I knew from a young age that I just, I couldn't do this. Like I was not destined for that. And And what it was crazy is that I would make choices as young as grade five, grade six, grade seven, that would pull healthy people to me. I would pull healthy friendships towards me. I'd pull healthy relationships to me. It's because I was grasping normalcy. All I wanted, remember when I was little, all I wanted was to be normal. I didn't want to start our car with a screwdriver, you know, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be the kid with lice. I was. So I would grasp onto these relationships and those relationships that I formed with people are the things that I say saved my life because without seeing what was possible and it was as minor as normal, healthy, relate, like, like family dynamics, they sat down at the dinner table together, What? no one's being called an effing B. No one is, you know, being told that they're a piece of shit. Sorry to swear on here. No one's being told that they're disgusting. What do you mean they're having dinner and having a conversation and they're just going to go to their sports? So I have so many people to think in my life, including my teachers. And, and I go back, I have two teachers. Well, actually my one teacher, his name's Mr. Weber. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this podcast, but he was the one person because I had him in grade six and I had him in grade seven. He was the one person that believed in me in so many different capacities in my life to be an athlete because this plays a role back in my in my in my story because I was an athlete in university and if it wasn't for that moment that person's belief that I could be more than what I was coming from it changed my whole life and by having that simple belief I have goosebumps saying this, like that one person believing in me changed my whole story because I could surround myself with people who cared about me. And these people owed me nothing, but they saw this girl. There was no, oh my God, there was no hiding the fact that I was a victim of abuse. I was lying all the time. Oh my God, I can't believe, to protect myself, right? As a child, you learn these safety mechanisms because I know when I tried to tell someone that I was being severely abused, I got in more trouble and I was called even more of a liar. It wasn't school because I would never go tell them there. And I'm not going to say the persons who I told, but it did nothing. So those people who played a massive role in my life and they, I know who they are and they know who they are. And I've reached out and thanked them. They took me to my sports. I distinctly remember one of my friends in grade six, her mom took me to this store in Port Moody to get my first pair of soccer cleats. And soccer is what changed my life and the people who believed in me. And, the, and it hasn't been just one person. It's been a series of people throughout my whole upbringing that made me believe and poured belief into me without even actually saying pouring belief into me, mm-hmm. right? Saying that you are capable of more. You could do all these things. Well, and now as an adult, right? Thinking about it on the other side, <laughs> like imagine you were witnessing a child going through that, right? Like you would... 1000% get involved and be there to support them and help them and do whatever you could. But as a parent, and also what I was thinking actually is when you said you told somebody and you weren't met with any help, 
here's another funny thing about abuse is subconsciously, oftentimes we will seek out um, somebody who's not going to give us what we want. So like you may expect that like nobody's really going to help you anyways. And then you go tell the person that you know is not going to help you. Does that make sense? This could even happen as an adult in a relationship where you keep fighting for love from people who are never going to love you right. Because you're trying to get that reward of them finally getting it. Because as a kid, you had to fight to try to be loved and they never got it right. And so you're in a different position because I know you're married and have this amazing relationship and you've chosen differently. But so many people, even as adults right now, on a like lower level abuse scale, you could be in a partnership right now where you're fighting to try to receive love because you used to have to fight or do something back to the being and doing. But like you used to have to do things to receive love. You couldn't just receive love for being. It was like, oh, you did this for me. Okay, you get love. Okay, you accomplished this. Now you get love. So there's so many aspects where that happens. And then I also want to touch on the athlete part of it because there's so much value in becoming an athlete because it teaches you grit. It teaches you resilience. It teaches you your power. It makes you do something harder. It puts you as part of a team. All of these things can be really, really helpful. And so many kids that do come from abuse, oftentimes if they find themselves in sports, can be the savior to teach them. Like there's people who believe in me. There's people who are there to support me. There's a team of people. You have a coach, which becomes a mentor, which can become like a parent role when you don't really actually have parents to rely on. Um, And ultimately you end up parenting yourself, right? From really young age. But in that, I just want maybe for you to share. So obviously sports played a role, but the choice you made at six, seven or grade six, seven or whatever you had said. um, I think I remember you telling me this too, that it was like you made choices about sports because you knew, okay, this could be my out. Like you were already, and this is so crazy to think as a parent now with our kids, that at a young age, they can be thinking of their exit plan. And like, even as adults, I've talked to people who have been in abusive relationships and you still have to do that same thing. You have to start making choices to align yourself with an exit plan to get away from that situation. And those people you can never expect to change. It's you that has the choice that has to be like, how am I going to get out? And you obviously made that choice. And I think you utilize sports to be able to get you um, into university and stuff like that. But I don't know if you want to share quickly on that. And then, um, yeah, anything else you want to share in regards to that little piece? Yeah. So I would say that those, those people made a huge difference in my life and that is what quote unquote saved me being, being there. And then once I did get into soccer and I was, I was relatively good at it, the people within my soccer team, the parents there basically took me under their wing and as, Mm -hmm. and, and it actually changed my whole trajectory because Uh, I was playing soccer with one of the girls who went to a different school than the one I was currently at. And um, her dad basically talked to the school. It was a private school. Never in a million years would I have ever gone to a private school. And they said, okay, well, um, she's welcome to come here. So I went there on a bursary my first year. And when I reached um, grade 10, they could no longer do the bursary. So I was 15 years old and they said, you need to pay for your school. So I went and got a job at Burger King (laughs) and I was like, okay, I'm going to pay for my school because I knew that this was where I needed to be. And I couldn't tell you, like, I wasn't consciously being like, I know this is where I need to be. It was just like my behavior. I was led and I was making choices that I didn't even know that were aligning with what I deeply wanted because at 15 and 16, I don't know how to make these choices. I have an underdeveloped brain. I'm just trying to figure out my life, but I knew that I was aligning with something and I was being guided by something even then 
And again, it's the influences that I had at the time. I had a boyfriend whose family literally took me in and, and changed my whole life and, and showed me what was possible. And that I will be forever grateful to them for that because they also did change my life. Right. And when I was in university, uh, sorry, when I was in high school, I knew if I do not get a scholarship, like this is a pivotal moment, I will not be able to go to school. It, it was, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh no, it was like, I would not be able to go to post-secondary if I did not have a scholarship. So mm-hmm. in grade 11, I was like, I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm going to play soccer. I'm going to get a scholarship. And I was at this training camp in 11th grade and I met my, my coach, Shelly Howison, and I haven't talked to her in a lot of years. It makes me think that I should message her. She played such a pivotal role and we met. And I remember when I was in grade 12, I was sending out videos to the universities and she, I would, I was signed to go to SFU. And I was like, Oh my God, like I, I get goosebumps now because all of the things, all of the people that had helped me and I, and all the people like, like had led me to this pivotal point. In my it's, life. Perfect. it's like divinely placed people to support you and help you move out of it. Yeah. And whatever you guys believe in, I'm at a place in my life right now where I believe as souls, we come here, we choose our path Yes. and we choose our parents. And so even when you said you would lay there and be like, I just need to make it through this. Yeah. I feel like you knew and whether, I don't know, I see I have full goosebumps yeah. because I'm like, as a soul, you knew, okay, I just have to get through this. And like, you knew there was hope on the other side. And I just at this point feel like we choose that. And then people are divinely placed to help us maneuver. And it's up to you if you're going to utilize that stuff or stay stuck because we're all meant to evolve. We're all meant to grow. And even the hardships are placed there perfectly. It can be really hard. But even if you reflect right now on those hardships, don't you see like they made you who you are today? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I always say no. like when people ask me like aren't you sad that happened to you if I if I do share because I don't really share my story very often because no. it's so complex and we're just scraping the surface you know I could probably yes. <laughs> have a feature film about it but um I say no those ha- those things happened for for me and it mm-hmm. sounds weird because how could anyone ever want those things to happen I'm not saying I wanted them no you don't want it but those mm-hmm. things were meant to happen to me to shape me into the person that I am because. When I was, and and so like, I think it's really important to note too, is that this evolution that I've gone through and this ability to reflect has been, I always say it's like a layer of an onion because we started here and it's just been each experience that I've had has just uncovered another layer and it hasn't been easy because um, I want to paint this picture for you because this did happen to me and I might as well share is that I, okay, so you're, I'm a child of abuse. I only know how to operate in fight or flight. So let's just, you know, got into university, I'm going to get a scholarship and I'm not just going to play soccer. I'm going to be the captain in the next last year. You know, I'm going to get honorable mention, um, for like, you know, all American. Um, I'm going to, I'm not only just going to finish my degree, but I'm going to finish it in three and a half years and then become a teacher by the time I'm 22 years old. Yeah. And get your master's because you have to be the best at everything and do everything to the highest. Yes. And it's still, it's still within me now, but like when I do things now, it's coming from a place of evolving, not a trauma response. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause these things were trauma responses. Okay. What can I do to keep myself safe? Right. And it wasn't, I wasn't even aware of what I was doing because I wasn't even mentally there because I was still in survival mode because I could never just be ever. So when I, met my husband. I remember saying to him, I'm like, you don't want this. 
because we were young. He's 20. Sorry, I was 20. He was 18. And I was like, you like, no, like it's too much. Right. Cause I had, I had, I was on my own. I had literally, like I had always been on my own, essentially, emotionally. Wait, wait, I want to know that. When did you move out? uh, When did you get out? I was 17. I found a place. I was 17 years old and I lived actually at my ex-boyfriend's grandma's house for a while. We had broken up, but I had nowhere to live. I had nowhere to live. Imagine being 17 years old and having nowhere to live. Why did you have nowhere to live? You couldn't go home to your parents or she had died? No, she hadn't passed away yet. It just wasn't, okay. it just wasn't, it was, wasn't the right circumstance. Her and I were like oil and water because I had so much anger and resentment and it came down from, and like, now I feel guilty that I carried that with me. And before she died, we, we said our piece. It's because I was a teenager and she never protected me. But the thing is, is that she was, but now as a mom, like I see, like she was just a child trying to figure this out. And she was just, she was trying her best with what she knew. So I never mm-hmm. like for a long time as a teenager, I was angry. I was mad. I had so much resentment, but now I just feel so sad for her that her life mm-hmm. ended and she never actually got to like live her life. So like a part of me like lives, like I feel like is living for her and doing the things mm-hmm. that she never did. Like, I feel like Penny is her, mm-hmm. you know, he's talked about mm-hmm. our souls recreating and coming back and choosing who their parents are. I feel like this that's like another woo woo, but like I do, yeah. but, um, but anyway, um, so I had achieved, achieved, achieved. And then Brian and I, I'm sorry, my husband and I had, had gotten engaged and I had just had a classroom. We bought a house and that is where I couldn't function anymore mm. because I had hit the pinnacle, mm. right? I'd hit mm-hmm. the pinnacle of all the things I'd ever wanted in my life. What does one do when all yeah. they ever wanted was to own a to have that life? Right. Own a home, to the safety of a home. Yep. Have a spouse that, that loves me getting married and has a th- like a great career. Mm-hmm. What does one do? Don't know how to function. So then I would, yeah. so then, so then I would, I, I, and began and or know that throughout this whole process, I do have people pleasing tendencies never wanting to go out of the lines because I was fear of what people would say or how they would take me, you know, just always towing the line, but just doing my thing. And so I always speak about this and I had so much shame about it, but I literally, I, when you operate with cortisol pumping through your body all the time, you're actually a highly anxious person. But if you're not aware of how anxious you are and you use physical activity, you can actually cause a lot of issues internally, which you know, like, um, what's it, what's the word with your thyroid when you, or like, um, you just, hypothyroid. yeah. Or like you literally, you're just like burning yourself out because you just have so much cortisol running through your body all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually experienced high anxiety and went through like depression before, um, my wedding. Mm-hmm. And it's a time in my life that because it was like, I didn't, I, it was almost like I was like going to sabotage my own life because it was like, going back to these like feelings of not being worthy. And it's so crazy. It's like, it's not like I didn't, it was like my subconscious was like, nope. And it was like, I was creating this, this narrative. And, and I actually had like, it wasn't, it wasn't a good time. I didn't even, I just remember, I remember the night I stopped sleeping and I was like, what's wrong with me? And it was like, my heart was always racing. I was having heart palpitations, but again, because of fear and shame, I never said anything until it was quote unquote too late. And I had already fallen into this kind of like depression where I couldn't even like some days and I had never understood it before because I was not even aware that I was that 
Does that make sense? Like I wasn't even aware that I was anxious. So I could never understand what an anxious person felt like because I was actually that anxious person. Right. You know what I mean? Because I was like, oh, I don't know what anxiety is when really I was a walking, talking ball of anxiety. Because there's different forms, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, because I had a moment where someone told me I was tightly wound and I went, what? But I had been operating like, like getting, and I'm not anxious where I'm, oh, I'm worried and like that type of anxiety, but you're a vibrating ball of constantly being productive because you don't know any other way to be. And then you're a perfectionist. And so you're striving to do things all the time. And then when things start to go right, that's so common for people, you completely self-sabotage. This happens to a lot of people who grew up in traumatic environments or chaotic environments as soon as safety comes like on a platter where like, there's nothing else for you to chase. If you've reached it, it's safe. You're like, there's something wrong. And you almost are again, apprehensive. Like when you were sleeping and you were waiting for your feet to get poked, you are like, nope, something bad is going to happen. Or you create something bad because you don't know how to survive without bad stuff. Like your nervous system is wired for it. And this is where it goes so much deeper than your mind. This is like within your body, the hormones that everything that's going on in your body, you're wired for it. And so for you, now you're depressed because what's happening? Do you know why you were depressed? Because your cortisol levels were finally able to freaking drop. And so this is something else people don't understand when you're chasing goals and you're chasing things and you're in that achievement trap and you're running and you're chasing, you're chasing. It's not so much sometimes that you hit it and now you're depressed. It's no, you're depressed because all those hormones are crashing and you're going to hit a low before your body can mellow out and be, be the being. And, and and I would say that that moment, as much as I never wanted it to happen, like. Mm. Your video. What just happened? I don't what know. You went like, your audio cut up for a sec, but you're good. Okay. Um, sorry. And I'm so grateful for those, that, that experience as hard as it was, um, not only to my husband for sticking by my side, like he is the one person that has taught me the meaning of what unconditional love looks like. Mm-hmm. And that for that, that even if we, we can unpack that, but that is an exploration on its own. Imagine mm-hmm. having someone love you for you, but you've never known what love feels like. Yeah. Right. It's, and, and, and like accepting you for all of the things and growing with you, but I, I won't go there, but that, that moment needed to happen. And I had some relationships at the time that supported me through that. And I will be eternally grateful for that. But it was that moment, that experience that kind of catapulted me into being like, wow, like I have a lot of healing to do. I have a lot of things that I need to bring to the forefront of my own, like how I operate. And I need to get really honest with myself about a lot of things. And I had to actually relearn how to be. I had to relearn coping mechanisms at 27 years old. I had to relearn, like I had to learn all these things because I had never experienced what it feels like to work through a problem without feeling that I'm like, that I'm in imminent danger. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had to relearn all these things. And, and as I've evolved and, and I'm a mom, it has become even more important to me to be able to, you know, model those healthy coping mechanisms for my kids. Because like, like I just, I, it's, it's crazy, but it's taken a lot of work and, and 
sometimes like when I, and, and the interesting thing is, is that like when I, in those moments, when I would see people going through like self-development or, you know, engaging in the process where they were like essentially healing, I thought it was weird. I was like, what are they yeah. doing? Because I pushed it away because I was like, I'm fine. And, and I've met throughout oh, my I'm life. I'm fine. I'm that fine. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And you get, you become a professional at pushing everything under and not dealing with it because you're like, when you know how to be in survival mode, you just need to care like the next hour to hour to hour. Mm-hmm. And to go there is too much. So it's like, we're just going to like push all that away. And we're just going to, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, Nothing hurts me. I'm fine. And then yeah, what? You have a guarded heart too. And that's not great. As a yeah, or, or you have, or you have nothing to work on. And that's my favorite too. And, and like, it's just so interesting now, right. like, you know, and now. Okay. Hold on. Like, hold on. Hold on. I have a question for you. Cause this was me and you're going to probably know that your childhood was messed up, but like yeah. the, my right. favorite now, what I'm noticing when I talk to people, like my childhood was perfect. And I'm like, okay, my childhood was good. Cause I didn't experience yeah. the same trauma as you. However, there was still so many things that happened that led to different things that I still need to work on and heal from and still need to go there and rework the patterns and the loops and acknowledge them and work through all the stuff that I pushed down for the last 30 years of my life. Um, no matter the level of trauma, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like in our bodies, we still need to move through it and work through it. It's ultimately the way I see it now is anything that caused you pain, anything that made you feel sad, anything that hurt your feelings, those things, if they've become core beliefs within you or they've become core memories within you, you need to go there. Because a lot of the time we didn't have the coping mechanisms then to know how to properly process and move through them and feel the emotions. And so they're stored within our body. And that was the big one for me. And I don't know if you had a moment like this where you were like, holy shit, I need to look at this. But I had physical pain throughout my entire body. And I thought it was from my workouts and from this and from that. And it was showing up for me because I stored emotion. Like things that happened to me because I was fine. Okay, well, there was ex-boyfriends in my knees and there was things in my back and like the weight around my heart and my chest physically was like contracted all the time from guarding. Um, And so these things were happening in my physical body because I wasn't going to the emotion and the root of it, feeling it, moving through it and allowing it to move through my body. So I don't know if you had something like that show up for you. Um, I haven't yet, but like, that's, that's like the next layer that I've been working on because my mom did end up passing away from brain cancer in 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was diagnosed at 35. So I'm 35. So you Mm -hmm. can imagine (laughs) just another layer that I'm looking to unpack. And it was the most valuable thing because I, um, I openly go to therapy because there's no way anyone could have lived every experience that I've lived and do these things without Mm -hmm. seeking some type of, you know, place to rationalize and understand and explore, um, all of the things and why I do things. Right. Yeah, and, can and tell you something? But no, it's, I gotta tell you one other thing. Yeah. 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 Tell me, and then yeah. I'll say, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that I noticed and was pointed out to me is that because even now in my life, which it is, I love my life. I am happy. I can just be I can sit and watch TV now and that's taken years to repair to be able to do that and sit and mm-hmm. actually watch TV or listen unfocused uh, on a podcast mm-hmm. or something like that. It's because subconsciously I have fears of dying. I have fears of getting cancer just like my mom because what is the next worst thing that could happen to me mm-hmm. would be me dying. Mm-hmm. And I'm always waiting on that next worst thing. 
Mm-hmm. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. Because now I'm, yeah. I'm in, yeah. It, 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 like, you know what I mean? And it was like, wow, that is, it's still there regardless. Like I've done so much work around that and it's like, wow, this right. is just another layer that I need to work on and, you know, get clear about why. And it's, again, it's, it's a trauma. It's a trauma again. Obviously, I've experienced probably a lot more than than most, but I never want to discredit someone's experience because just because it wasn't as severe as the experience that I've had doesn't mean it's not valid. And the one thing I want to do add is like, I just find it so interesting too. It's because like how I ended back up in the back into the classroom. It's like, I just know that... And, and the life that I have, it's like, it's like so powerful to be able to offer that to somebody else what someone offered to me, if that makes sense. So there's so many parts and I feel like I could keep talking because nothing that I'm sharing is kind of like cut and dry. There are so many interconnected things to what we do and how we show up. And like, it takes a long time to actually unpack each thing. So I didn't mean to get off tangent, but I just think it's really important to know that like everything that we do and everything like the place that we're in, like right now where I have to unpack and understand like the next worst thing, it's still neurologically there, like, like in my brain and I'm learning that it just never ends. Right. And I think I treat, I said something about working and talking to someone in therapy. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah. What I was going to say though, is what I found with therapy is because you said rationalizing and I just wanted to say therapy can be great to consciously have a conversation about things that have happened and have a conversation about it. But anything to do with talking is still your mind. And so much of trauma is within the body and it's stored and it's packed down. Like imagine it's like mud you've packed into your body. So what I found to be really helpful. And I feel like if you were only, if you're someone who's only going to therapy and you're not finding your life is shifting or changing or your beliefs are shifting, you need to start doing deeper levels of healing, which is like breathwork, somatic therapy, different forms of people who help you get in your body. If it's an energy worker, a body healer, there's so many forms that allow you to do this. Um, Breathwork is the easiest one, I think, to be able to start doing. And you can go see an actual breathwork facilitator to help you go deep, breathe into it, and then come out of that pain. Um, And Feel it because so often I'm, I'm a logical person, right? I am great. I can use my mind. I'm really smart. Can do anything in school. Logically got it. Got it. Mind understanding is not the same as healing it from a like body standpoint of the things that are within your body and a somatic standpoint of like what is stored there. Because when you do that work, like that is the most freeing thing ever and can actually allow your body to start releasing. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is finding a way to release and let go. And you talked about a lot about the shame and the guilt and all of the things that even showed up for how you felt about your mom before she passed away. And if you guys have never looked into the chart of consciousness, that is game changer and understanding how those feelings are going to impact your life energetically. So um, let's say you're operating out of shame, guilt, fear, all of those feelings and emotions. Those are like the lowest vibrational frequency in terms of you being able to go out and become that creator. Like how we were talking about, like you can either choose to be a victim and remain in your circumstance or choose to be a creator. In order to become the creator, you need to have courage, hope, and then that's what brings you to like the joy and the love and all these like higher vibrational frequencies. But that you know what comes before courage too? is desire. 
and like pride and desire and all these things. And so just understanding that like coming from the shame, the guilt and the fear, you need to hit things like desire and have that fire within you, like you said, to be able to choose courage to choose differently and then become that creator of your life. And it's not easy. Like it's not easy, but it's reminding yourself that no matter what has happened to you in the past, you have the choice to choose differently now and to choose differently moving forward and to create a different reality, whether that's for yourself, your kids, your partnerships, you can rewrite it and to make it whatever you want. And I just want to highlight for you something that you said when you were like, I don't want to start my car with a screwdriver. It can be that small. It's not small, but that small where you saw someone with a regular car and you went, oh, people have cars they just turn on. Okay, well, I want a car that just turns on. I don't want to use a screwdriver. Okay, great. That's one little thing. Now you've seen families who don't swear at each other and call each other names and get drowned in the middle of the night. And so you're like, okay, great. There's families who don't do that. Okay, well, I want that thing. And this is the whole thing about creating the life that you want. It's a step-by-step process. Most people don't just start with like, I want a private jet and um, 900 properties. No, you start with the screwdriver in the car. And then you start with, I want a normal family dinner. Okay. And then you have that. And it's like, I want a healthy relationship. Okay. You have that. Okay. Well now I would really like a home that we can live in and own because that's safe to me. Okay, great. Now you have that. And like you incrementally hit these different layers and steps in order to grow your vision and your belief. And then ultimately when you start accomplishing these things for yourself, you go, holy crap, I am powerful. Holy crap. I can achieve things holy crap, like all that belief in me was real. Like I can find that belief within myself now. And now you become self-motivated and ready to run for whatever. And on the other side of that, it's like your vision expands and grows. And I don't know if you're facing this right now um, as your vision expands and grows for your life because you accomplished all the things that you set out to accomplish, right? Like you have the safe family, you got the kids, you're home with them. Like, you know, you're able to be present with them. They're safe. They're not being abused at night. You have the safe job. All the safety is there. Now, as you approach this next season of your life where you're starting to understand all of this and you start to realize like everything is limitless, like you can accomplish and achieve whatever it is you want. I don't know if you would just want to go into it money-wise right now quick, just like that shift of even being able to allow your mind to expand beyond that. Because I think so many people sometimes get stuck at that level where they're like, okay, I have accomplished these things. Like, okay, great. I'm good. And maybe you are good. Maybe you are. But if you're listening to this podcast you're probably wanting more and you know that you can have whatever it is you want in this life. And so for me, people always ask me like, how did you get that vision? I'm like, I didn't start with the vision I have right now for my life and the things that I know I'll achieve and accomplish. I didn't start there. It started with, I want to move out of my parents' basement. I want to have a car that I like. I want to have a home for my kids. Like it was, they were smaller things where now it's grown to something so much bigger, but it all started from the small things and then building upon that. So do you have anything you want to share about what you're hitting right now? Well, I just, I was just going to say like what you're saying is true. It's like, it's incrementally, it's small things, again, building up over time in order to allow me to see what's possible, right? So like if you were to take that that seven-year-old me who thought my life would be where it is now, it would be way too overwhelming. It was small, tangible things that I felt that mm-hmm. I could do and that I, I, I wanted for my life, right? And it's really important to know like what, what you just said is like, you didn't know that you wanted these things because every time we step into that next version of ourselves, that next evolved place of ourselves, it allows our vision to expand. Well, what if 
we made this choice, which would allow us to do this. Well, what if we made this choice, which allowed us to do this? And in terms of finances, we grew up like very poor. Like we couldn't afford to eat. I couldn't afford to do sports. I always did sports because other people paid for it for me. Right. Like it was the gift of other people that, that paved the way for truly what my success was and, and leaving the trauma and all that stuff behind. Right. And, and my own inner work that has got me there. But like it's it's incrementally growing and seeing that when you push yourself and get real and honest about areas of yourself that require work, nothing bad comes from that what comes from it is growth and it allows you to see more and do more. And I think we forget how powerful we actually are because when we step into being the best versions of ourselves, we inadvertently don't realize we're actually inspiring someone who may be down way down where you once were want to do more and see that they're capable of more. And that in itself is powerful. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's not even only for yourself evolving, it's 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 the impact that you can make for other people on their journey. And because other people have, quote unquote, we always talk about lifting the lid on what we're doing is, you know, pushing ourselves into that next level, looking at our own stuff, getting really real and honest with ourselves about what areas we need to grow and recognizing that thing that Carly says, like that loop that we're, we're stuck in, right? And when you recognize that loop and you stop that loop, literally there is no more, there's nothing more that you like nothing will stop you. And if we go to the financial piece, never in a million years would I think that I would be in the position that I am. But it's that ever, it's that dedication to, evol to uh, evolution, just like your podcast. It's a dedication to evolving and seeing what is possible. And it doesn't mean, because I think I want to clarify something, because often when sometimes from the outside looking at people are like, well, aren't you happy with your life? Of course I'm happy with my life. But what, but like, but I will, I know myself as a person, I will never be contented with not looking for the best version of myself. So mm -hmm. when I'm in pursuit of the best version of myself, when we're in pursuit of the best versions of ourselves, we're constantly evolving because experiences that we've had or circumstances that we have shape us into who we are mm -hmm. and they, they add to our our wisdom and our knowledge and it's it's just a part of the process of, of of becoming your best self and I think that's the greatest gift that we can give ourselves because when we believe we're worthy of evolving and growing there's literally no holding us back from what we can we can do in this life and I always mm -hmm. whenever I talk about because now that I'm embarking this chapter of my life that I'm so freaking excited for it's like I, I will often get met with this question and I don't know if anyone else has ever thought about this. Like, it's like, it's like, aren't you happy with what you have? Oh, I just got distracted by my baby. Um, I'm like, yeah, I am. But I'm just looking forward to that, to that next chapter and becoming that best part of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had something and then Penny distracted me and <laughs> it was something else that I'll come back to. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I feel like, cause we're at an hour so we can kind of, and here, but I guess I would just say for the person who may have experienced like abuse, trauma, an upbringing that they're not super proud of, that they maybe feel ashamed of. First of all, I want to say thank you for being open to sharing because I know you're not super open about this stuff. And when I found out, I was like, everyone needs to know this. And you're like, what? And I'm like, no, literally, this is the stuff, you guys. The things that you've gone through, the hardships you've gone through, your adversities that you've overcome 
are the connectors. Like if you're, especially if you're in business or you're like in a people relationship, whatever, like the stuff that you feel ashamed of, people need to know. Like there's no shame. And honestly, the only person that shame is killing is you. The right people are never going to judge you or hate you or think less of you because of that type of stuff. Like the right people in your life are always going to be like, wow, and accepting and give you love. But if you're holding that shame about that story, you're holding that shame within you. So sometimes I feel like people are afraid to share and they're afraid to let people know about them because like, oh, what if it changes your viewpoint of me? No, it's like letting that story be known and be out. It's like you're also allowing yourself to be accepted and loved and know that you no longer have to carry that shame about what happened to you. It's the same way for me. I'm like, I can so openly talk about sexual abuse and all this stuff because I'm like, yeah, this stuff happens to a lot of people, a lot of kids. It's not our fault. Why would we ever carry that shame or that guilt or that any of it? It's like, that's on the other person, which is like sad for them because I bet they were abused too. Because anyone who who abuses kids typically came from an abuse cycle. And so just knowing like, I don't want to carry that guilt and that shame. I have nothing to be guilty of. I was a victim. I even hate using the word victim because I'm like, something that happened. Yes, it happened to me. Yep. And, and like, I have a choice to not live in that or make that anything to do with who I am. Things that have happened to you or circumstances you've grown up in are not who you are. They're things that you've experienced. There's a difference. So really understanding that. And I guess just for you to say, because you have overcome so much and you're on the other side of all of that. And now we'll do a totally different episode about parenting and sleep, because I think that's really valuable and more people need to understand that is an entire thing in an industry and all of the impacts there. But um. For you, just like last closing words, like things that maybe you would want someone to know, whether it be something about you that you overcame or for the person who is on their own journey of healing and trying to figure this out and maybe does carry the guilt and the shame, um, maybe like a tough thing that helped you or just something that the advice that you would give them. I just want to give people advice is that like, we have two choices in our life. We can become a victim of our circumstances and just you know, do that self-fulfilling prophecy and, and think that we deserve what, what our current reality is, or we can choose to have different and be better and, and make those choices that actually can change the trajectory of your life. And it just comes down to a simple decision. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be complicated, right? It just means that you are going to, you have what you want in your brain. Even if it's an ideal, you need to take action. And the smallest action you don't realize that actually could have the power to change your entire life. Mm-hmm. So know if you're struggling, like in this season of your life, or you've reached your, like the, uh, you know, your twenties or thirties or forties or fifties or whatever you're receiving this message, um, know that, that you are powerful beyond your even wildest dreams. And that simply deciding has a ripple effect that can defy the odds that can change your life and that can make a difference. So if you're struggling to make that decision, do the thing that feels most uncomfortable because it has the greatest reward. Yeah. I love that. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. And just for those of you, I think, listen, you made me think of something quick that I wanted to say and I'm forgetting it too. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in regards to what the hell was I going to say about a decision? Uh, oh, I remember (laughs) it just that on the other side of the decision, you guys or the action, understanding that having a vision and manifesting and wanting something can only take you so far. It can create that vision and that, that, um, 
visual for you within your mind of what's possible, but for things to actually come to fruition in real life, like this world we're living in here, it requires action. And so maybe it's that action is finding an exit plan from your current situation. Maybe it is taking the step on the idea you've had your entire life that you know would be amazing or that it's like your heartfelt calling that you love it. Like taking the action to move toward that thing, taking the action to start caring about your health, taking the action to go book your first therapy appointment or breathwork session or women's circle, like whatever the thing is, it's taking a physical action. It does require some doing. So yes, being is important, but Oftentimes, if you know that you have this pull that you need to start doing this work or diving into this stuff, um, you have to take physical actions in this real world to move through any of it. It can't just be laying on your couch hoping for your life to change. It won't help. It won't happen. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, you know. Baby and all. Baby and all. Yeah. Right, Penny? You just made it so much more... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, I feel like if there's moms listening, they're gonna be like, "Wait, is my baby making this?" Wait, like oh, here in the background. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But I can't wait for our next one. I think the parenting one is gonna be very good. Good. Okay. And about baby sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I am so proud of you for taking the time out of your day to prioritize you. And I hope you found something of value that's going to assist you in evolving and growing into your healthiest and happiest self. If something in today's episode stood out and you feel like it could help someone you know, send this episode their way or share it on social and tag me at Carly Pynchon and let me know your key takeaways so I can see what you loved most. If you could also leave me a review on the platform you're listening on, I would appreciate it so much and be forever grateful. Don't forget to check out all the links in my show notes where you can download freebies, sign up for masterclasses, and join my mailing list where I offer more exclusive content. I can't wait to connect again on next week's episode. And between now and then, take a moment right now to schedule something in that allows you to prioritize you.